more weeks to go before we finish it. And as we heard last week from Bishop Gospel, it is wonderful to keep reminding us of these messages or these truths so that we'll be established in them even though we may be already familiar with them. Second Peter chapter uh, 2, I believe it is. Amen? Alright, we've been talking or teaching on the grace-powered worship from John chapter 4 in verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And we've covered much, much, much ground in this message. And last time I spoke, I believe two Sundays ago, I began to speak on the acceptable form of worship. And we led that off by reading a passage in Psalms 24. And I want to read it again. Psalms 24, verses 3 to 6. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Now this is describing the atmosphere or the presence of God. In other words, the psalmist is asking, who will approach the presence of God? That's the bottom line, okay? Verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, we defined idols in the previous messages, the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of worldly gain, and the pursuit of natural human knowledge. Okay? So who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully? What does it mean to swear deceitfully? Making promises you have no intention of fulfilling. Like, Brother, I'll be praying for you. And you have no intention of praying. But you just said it to just get him off your back. Amen? That's swearing deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Verse 6. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Salah. This is this prescription or the criteria, or the requirement to come before God. Clean hands, pure heart, not lifting up the soul to idols, or swearing deceitfully. And like I said to you two weeks ago, which one of us here today will meet that criteria? No one. Now, I'm repeating this because I want to make sure we understand that the access we have with God and the boldness and the liberty that we have in order to come before God is only because of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one else, nothing else. Yes, you and I may not have clean hands. Our hearts may not be always pure. Every now and then, we may lift up our soul to idols. And from time to time, we swear deceitfully. Naturally or normally, 
we will have been disqualified. But because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, who through the exchanged life has taken upon himself our unclean hands, our impure hearts, our lifting up the soul to idols, and our swearing deceitfully. He took all of those things upon himself. And in exchange, gave us, not because we merited it, not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, he gave to us, imputed upon us, gave us credit for his righteousness. Unbelievable. And so because of that, you and I are no longer impeded or hindered in our ability to come before the presence of God. Why? Because Jesus has placed upon us his robes of righteousness. And therefore now before God, that criteria has been satisfied. Now, I use that word carefully, the word satisfied. The criteria is not removed. God still demands clean hands, pure hearts, souls that are not lifted up to idols. He still demands those things. They have just been satisfied in Christ Jesus on our behalf. So for the person who does not have Jesus, the criteria stands. Amen? Amen. Now, I said to you, and I needed to say this other part now, I said to you then, that in the Old Testament, being righteous was a criteria to going before God. They had to have been cleansed before they could approach God. Under the new, it is my approach to God that cleanses me. Oh no, I don't think you heard that. Dollar, did you hear what I just said? Let me say it again. Let me say it. Let me stand right in front of you and say it again then. Praise God, I love you so much. Give me a high five. Under the old, you got to be righteous to go before God. That was the condition. In the new, I come to him as I am. But my fellowship with him and my proximity to his presence changes me. So by being with him, I become righteous. Do you get the difference? Because it's important you understand that. Because I don't want you to think that because, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not totally correct. Everything is not right in my life. Therefore, I run away from God. No. You don't run away from God. You run to God. It is as you are in his presence, he changes you. He changes you. You don't defy him. He refines you. Oh, glory to God. In the Old Testament, those priests were defiled by anything that was unclean. So they run away from them. They avoid them. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, went right to where the sinners were. Why? Because he knew they could not contaminate him. If anything, he refines them. That is what is available for you right now 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to change you. He wants to make you. He wants to clean you. He wants to refine you. He wants to totally transform the way we are. Let me just give us a couple of examples of that. And then I'm going to flow on into this, in this message. In Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And I'm, I'm, I'm really emphasizing this because I, 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 want to, I want to magnify Jesus in your life. I want us to see him in the largeness of who he is. I want us to throw away those little Jesuses that we think about. I want us to understand why David said, let us magnify the Lord with me. I want you to see how great he is, how big he is, how mighty he is, how powerful he is, how awesome he is. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 19. Begin from verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. What does that mean? As a chief, what, in contempt, chief tax collector. He was a sinner. He was a sinner. This guy was defrauding people, man. Exploiting them. He worked for the then Uncle Sam. Maybe Cousin Sam. Maybe not Uncle. Maybe he's a cousin. <laughs> he was a tax, chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. For he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Amazing thing. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Why was he so joyful? Because he had a desire and Jesus made it. Nobody wanted to be an tax collector. Nobody. And yet Jesus went to this man's house. Verse 7. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is what? A sinner. A sinner. Okay? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What happened? How did he get this change of mind? The presence of God. The presence of God. Just being in the presence of God shed light into his heart. He didn't need a seminar. He did not need Pastor Shino's uh, teaching. He did not need Pastor Tosin's praying. He did not need Pastor Mary's uh, 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 intercession. None of that. Just being under the watchful eyes of Jesus changed. Changed. Let me give, you, let me give us a couple more. And it's important because I want you to know the answer is not by running away from God but by running to him. How about Isaiah chapter 1? Isaiah chapter 1. You cannot be clean before you take a bath. 
You cannot be clean before you take a bath. Isaiah chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, who told him this? Mind you, this was a prophet. And God just gave us a little glimpse into the transaction that happens between this man and his, place, and, and, and his worship and, 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 and his presence and being in the presence of God. And just being in God's presence in that instant, God says, Isaiah, your, your lips are unclean. So what I'm saying to us is, it's not running away that solves our problem, but running to. This was what David understood so powerfully. That's why he said over and over and over, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my buckler. He understood that his deliverance was not in time to help himself, but running to God and allowing God to fix whatever was wrong with him. And you know, sometimes you don't even know what's wrong with you. You don't know. You just feel one kind. You just feel... You feel it, you just don't feel well, but you may not be able to put your hand into your finger into it. But when you get before God's presence, and you begin to talk to Him, and He's talking back to you, He begins to peel those onions, those layers, and all those things in your lives that need attention. But not only does He peel them back, He just does not peel them to expose them to make you feel bad about yourself, He fixes it. Amen. He fixes them. And so Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 17, this is the New Testament interpretation of everything I've said so far. He said, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberty for you this morning. There's liberty for you to go before God. And when you go there, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter what's been said of you, no matter how degrading the things that's happened to you are, the invitation is that you should come boldly. Boldly. Why? Verse 18. Because we are with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What's happened to us? Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. That's what God does for us. That's the big difference. We are not trying to fix ourselves. 
We're just coming before his presence as we are. And that transaction, God reveals and he cleanses. Amen? Amen. Now, why is all of this so important? All of this is important because we need to recognize, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that we are being built up as a, we, we are, we are sp- as spiritual stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to offer sacrifices or worship that is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. We offer sacrifices or worship to God that is acceptable through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me go to some specifics today. Let me move on now in this message. Let me, let me just give us certain forms or certain things that are acceptable forms of worship to God. The number one point that I was going to make was made last week so eloquently I really don't need to spend too much time saying anything about that again today. And that is one powerful way of giving God acceptable worship is the way we do treat one another. The way we treat one another. We need to be more diligent. We need to be more deliberate. Allowing the spirit of God to move in us and through us to treat each other more kindly, more gently, more lovingly. And yes, we need to resolve conflicts that may exist among us. I have never found believers. We, we, we like to just gloss things over and sweep them under the carpet. And we do not recognize that these things affect our corporate gathering. The man of God last week was so accurate. I can, if, if, I, if somebody gave me $1,000 for each, for every member or every person that's left this church, who left because they said to me, I can't stand so, so, and so, I can't stand so, so, and so. I'll be a millionaire by now. True story. True story. Now, this was so true. This was sad about it. They would not go to so, so, and so. They never did. They never went to so, so, and so, and said, so, so, and so, I can't stand you. This is why, and that's... The, Never. They won't. They just said, Pastor, you know what? I'm sorry. I like you. I like your wife. I like your teaching. I like Rotimi. I like serving. I like... But! So, so, and so, I can't stand them. I can't keep on coming here. Oh, if I had a thousand dollars for each one. My goodness. I'd be able to buy Tesla cars for everybody in this room. (laughs) So the question is, if we are believers, spirit-filled believers, why is it so difficult for us to do what Jesus said to do? To just lay our gift at the altar and go to Greg and say, Greg, you know what? This happened and that happened. We need to get, we need to get this inside out. Now, let me say this. With God, no problem. He forgives you without you asking. 
You don't even have to ask God. It's already taken care of. Jesus took care of that 2,000 years ago. But horizontally, the man standing, sitting to your left or the lady to your right, right now, horizontally, your wife, your husband, your children, your co-workers, your business associates, they are not God. They did not forgive you 2,000 years ago. <laughs> no. And unfortunately what happens is many of us leave trails. We hurt this one, we move to the next one. We hurt that one, we, move, we just leave trails all around. And we wonder why things don't work. Treating each other correctly is worship. Worship. Why? Because you are doing what God desires. You are doing what pleases him. You are honoring him by doing what God esteems highly. Scripture for that is Romans chapter 14 verse 18. But there are many, many, many scriptures. Many of them. Many of them. You know what? You know what I like to do? Maybe I should take a time out on this one. Can I hear back from you guys on this one? Why don't you guys talk to one another? Alex, time out. The day, the final overaching authority on what we do, and that's why when we began this teaching, we said worship is not singing, it's not praising, it's not what we do on the platform with praise and worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's what you do every minute, every hour, every day, every month, every year. It's a lifestyle. And it begins with our relationships. From what we've said this morning, it is easy to understand why on some Sunday mornings there is zero anointing on the platform. Zero. I don't care how, how loud they shout. It doesn't matter how hard you press the keyboard. It doesn't matter how hard you string it together. It doesn't matter. Why? Because Monday through Saturday, we have fractions in our relationships. We didn't give any worship all week. So on Sunday morning, we are looking for magicians on the platform. They are not magicians. So if we are all dead because we have not done the right things by God all week long, they can't do anything for us. No. That's why it's a corporate anointing. Corporate gathering. Each one, bring one. Each one, bring their own fire. And then when we come here together, we have an explosion. Because we've worshipped all week in how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we love our children, our co-workers, our employees, our friends, all the people we, we, we interact with. That, what happens on Sunday morning is a culmination of what happened all week. So when all week is missing, you are looking for magicians on Sunday morning. Simple. Now, on the points we've made, on the final analysis, and this is what I'm aching, this is what I'm, I'm praying, striving, believing God for. That at the end of the day, no matter what the circumstance is, 
that you and I, all of us together, will be a student of the word of God. And that the word of God will trump. Oh, oh, did I say the word trump? (laughs) Don't worry, we're going to make work fun great again. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I didn't know I went there. Praise God. The only way we are going to become a great church, great believers, is that we must honor the word of God in spite of how I feel, in spite of my rationale, in spite of my reasonings. You've got to lay all of those things aside and say, what is God saying? Now, I also understand that when God has said what he's saying, because we are human, it is possible to say, oh, God has said it, mm, I'm struggling with it. That's fine. That's what I heard Sam say. That's what I just heard him say. It's alright to know, to first affirm, this is, this is the right thing to do. However, I'm struggling with it. That's fine. Because if there's one thing to say, this is the correct thing to do, I'm struggling with it, versus Ignoring the truth. When you ignore the truth, you are living in a dangerous territory. I love you. Let me be, let me be the one to say that to you. When you ignore what is truth at the expense of, of how you feel or how you are reasoning, you are living in dangerous territory. Very, very dangerous. Now, remember what I said. That is different from I see the truth, I accept the truth, but I'm struggling, I'm not able to do it. To do a different thing. Who does God help? The person that sees the truth, accepts the truth, but struggling. The Holy Spirit helps you. That's called infirmity. It's called weakness. The Holy Spirit comes there to strengthen you, to encourage you, to uplift you, so you are able to do what you could not do. But when you ignore truth, you fall into the category of what God calls wickedness. He calls it evil. Can you guys hear what I'm saying? So the word of God must at every time be the final authority. No argument, no debate. This is what God's word said. Father, I'm struggling with this though. This is tough. I can't do it. Help me. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. And God helps us for that. So, my take is honor the word of God. However, also be accommodating. Give yourself latitude. Don't let every little bitty thing just teach you. Thank you very much. I couldn't say that from here, but you could say it. Don't let, I mean, develop thin skin. Don't, 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 ask God to help you with that, with, with, with that. And so what Brother Daniel was saying is true. And so that's what I've had to do. I've had to forgive people in advance. Because I know we are human beings. We're going to, that's what the word forgive means. Giving in advance. And the way I got there was, it's 1201, okay. The way I got there was, 
somebody very close to Pastor Bakare years ago had me in a restaurant. I didn't know they were going to try to uh, uh, put me in a bad uh, situation, uh, manipulate, ask me some very funny, funny question. And the guy said to me, we know you are a very close friend of Pastor Bakari. I said, yes. They said, I want to ask you a question. So I thought, oh, this would be very easy, innocent question. I said, how do you deal with him? How do you relate with this man? Wow. And by the fact they defined what they meant by that, I knew I was in deep waters. But the wisdom of God that came to me was, I said, listen, nobody's perfect. I understand that. And therefore, what I've been able to do that's helped me in that relationship and others is that I forgive everybody in advance before they ever do anything wrong. So that when the wrong happens, it's already covered. And truly, really, what I'm saying is not, um, it's not here. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's nothing like Pastor B, Dr. Hamby, uh, Pastor Krev, all of those guys, Bishop Fuller. There's nothing they will do that will cause me to say, I'm no longer going to work with you. No, because I already know. Listen, if they are like me, they are with fault. Yes. I may not know what the faults are. So the day I find out that this fault is there, I already discovered. It's covered. It's an insurance policy. Correct. Just pay the premium. Correct. Yes. And then you'll be covered. You got it, sir. So you forgive people in advance. You accommodate them. You understand that they will fail. They will make mistakes. They will do things that are wrong. So in advance, forgive. Now, the fact that you forgive in advance, does that mean you don't talk about it? No. It depends on what it is. It depends on what it is. If it's big for you, and you know it's big because you are thinking about it. If it's something you can just overlook, don't think about it any longer, it's, not, it's, it's small. But if it's big, it will bug you, you think about it, and if, you, if you're thinking about it enough, then you should, you should be able to ask them. Ask them about it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. What I want us to live here with, listen, wherever you are in this journey, on this situation, let God help you to the point where you elevate his word above your personal, rational, or reasoning. Esteem his word. Put his word where he wants it put. Hmm? Because when we do that, that's when we really can become. Let me just end on this Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 11, he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the keeping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is where I'm going, verse 13. Look at verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the faith. Not the unity of doctrine. No. Until we come to the unity of the faith. What is the unity of the faith? Jesus. You and I. Whether we come from United States, Australia, Zimbabwe, wherever you came from, at the end of the day, the goal, the goal line is Jesus Christ. That's what brings us all together. 
All of us want to be like him. That is the unity of the faith. Okay? And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That means complete. How are we going to know we're complete? When we measure to the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where we're going. But we will not get to this point as long as I'm rationalizing the word of God. It's not going to happen. You are not going to pick and choose which word of God you want to do and which one you don't want to do. God's kingdom is not a cafeteria. It's not a smuggler's board. I don't like broccoli. Take this out. I don't like cheese. Remove that. Corn. No. Take it out. No. It's not like that. The word of God is the word of God. It's the final authority. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And he said he has magnified his word above his own name. Why are you praying at all if you don't honor God's word? He has honored his word above his name. You are calling his name in prayer, but you don't honor his word. You are wasting your time. Go and call Buddha. Or Muhammad. Because if you don't honor his word, you have no right to use his name. I pray in the name of Jesus there will be men and women who esteem and choose the word of God above anything else. And where we have struggles in obeying the word of God, that we invite the presence of God and the power of his spirit to be the one at work in us to help us to do his will. Father, that is my prayer for your congregation, for your people, for all of us. And I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, you help us. You move us. The power of your spirit will work on us, work within us to get us to that point where we esteem your word, we choose your word, we attend unto your words, we incline our ears unto your sayings. We hide them in the midst of our face. It will be health and medicine to all of our flesh. Thank you, Father. We honor and bless you now in Jesus' name.